Welcome to Going Underground, a podcast by yorkcalling.co.uk. My name is Graham Smith, Editor-in-Chief of York Calling, and today I'm joined by a special guest presenter. Miles Salter is a York-based writer, musician and poet and frequent contributor. In this episode, Miles and I are joined by Bella Gaffney of transatlantic folk trio The Magpies. Here's Miles to tell us more about this episode's guest. One York act has had a fantastic year in 2022. The Magpies are an acoustic folk trio comprised of Bella Gaffney, Kate Griffin and Holly Brandon. This year they have released their second album, Undertow, they've staged their own music festival and they've crisscrossed the UK playing gigs. This is folk music for people who may not like folk music, accessible and friendly. As the Sunday Times said recently, Undertow is one of those effervescent albums you'd be happy to recommend to people who might not consider themselves folk fans. In this episode, we're joined by Bella, who's going to be telling us about the band and their music. Bella, thank you very much for coming and talking to us at your calling. Oh, thank you for having me. Tell us about Undertow, the, the second album. Was there an overall objective to the album? Was there a particular feel you wanted to get across or, or a particular theme? Not, not consciously. When we wrote it, what happened, or, you know, the songs that we wrote on the album, a lot of them were written over so, around the pandemic. So I think there's a bit of a theme of maybe, you know, time lost and just sort of time passing in, in, in general, which came through in the album. There's a tagline that you use under the band logo on your website, and it says transatlantic folk. Can you tell us what transatlantic <laughs> folk is? Different aspects of the band, different members have sort of different influences. Um, I very much grew up in sort of English folk music, and Kate and I has been more influenced by more kind of Americana, um, and Holly's had a bit of both. So, I mean, and the two interweave, don't they? A lot of songs, traditional folk songs, started in the UK and went over to America and came back again. And so we just sort of wanted to bring bring that together in our, in our sound. I think to an American, we'd probably maybe sound quite uh, sort of Celtic, but maybe to an English person, we definitely have those Americana influences. Is it important to you that, that the sound is accessible to people? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, because folk music's got a bit of a reputation. I don't know, some, you might think of maybe Morris men and <laughs> and things like that when you think of, of folk music, but it's much more than that. and we like to be able to sort of hook people in, into into the genre a bit a bit more and particularly you know the new generation like new generation because you, you worry with folk music don't you that, uh, that it's going to die out so there are some deep and dark themes on the album um addiction exploitation you know what what took you to those dark places so, uh, yeah i think particularly in, it's in the song undertow um which i wrote maybe two two years ago it, it was because I'd gone back to my hometown and um, as I just I noticed for the first time a lot of people, you see it in York as well actually, taking, you know, the, it's a drug called Spice and it's just really does bizarre things to people, um, it's really damaging and yeah, I suppose I was just thinking about that when I wrote the song. And there's a bit of a surprise twist at the end of the album in terms of the the cover of Eurythmics. Um, I mean, what what inspired you to to cover that one? I mean, 
at the end of the day, it's just a banger, isn't it? <laughs> I can't <laughs> argue with that. It's a great song. <laughs> I absolutely love Annie Lennox. I'm a big fan of the Eurythmics. And it was just bizarre. We were just all sort of sat around, just messing around one day. And we just started playing that song. We were like, there's something about it that's just working. <laughs> so, yeah, why not? If I can do an ode to Annie Lennox, then I'm going to do it. Yeah, I have to say, it's, it's a really nice way to end the album. You've got that mix of traditional and original music in there and then just that that sort of sting in the tail at the end <laughs> it's really fun when we play it live because you can sort of see you know we start doing the opening riff and then there's people in the audience like oh my god it's you <laughs> <laughs> they're happy. good songs as well aren't they because they 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 translate i i sometimes do an acoustic version of here comes the rain again uh yeah. and they're they're great songs because they translate so well don't they yeah, I think surprisingly well though, because you know the originals are so so synthy and you know electronic heavy, and then yeah, you play them on an acoustic instrument. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, great. <laughs> they're very definite. They're very definite songs, though, aren't they? The Europe mix songs. They're you've, they've got a very strong drive to them. They've got a very strong melody. How do you find working as a as a trio, Bella? Do you ever think two's company, three's a crowd? That's what a question. Um, no, I mean, I think more the merrier. I love playing with other people. I get when I play solo, I get a bit lonely. Um, and I think the more people you have working on a song, the more exciting it can be because someone else is always going to have an idea that you haven't had. Um, and as long as you try and not to be too precious about your own songs, and you can take it in a direction that's generally going to be better than you could have thought of yourself um, and it's more fun when you're doing a live show as well to have more people I, I think but because um, you've because you've worked and you still I think sometimes work solo so you obviously enjoy the the social aspect of, of being in more of a band situation yeah definitely yeah I mean you know when when you're doing those long drives down the M1 I'd always rather do it uh, with my bandmates and on my own um, but I don't, you know there's something about playing solo as well that's that's good fun and you know but it's maybe maybe it's scarier I think perhaps that's it when you're playing with a band you've got your your team around you and it, it you're in it together you, you you mentioned going on the road there um I mean you've just come back off tour uh any any good stories from the road <laughs> I think I mean well it ended a bit dramatically but that's because I got unwell in Dublin and it wasn't from drinking too many Guinnesses and ended up having to fly to fly back early, so that was all a bit of drama. There's always something like that that ha seems to happen in the tour. But I think the funniest thing we've ever done on tour is we went to a venue where um, they had it was it was just after lockdown and they had big screens in front of the stage. It was a really small room and we were behind these big screens, but they had a smoke machine. So it was like, and they set it off in this box and it was just like rising and we were just like drowning in, in, in smoke. It was, it was pretty funny actually. But they had uh, two tortoises which lived in the venue as well. It was all bizarre. And the woman knew, um, who runs it knew Pete Doherty. There's just pictures oh, yeah. of him all over the wall. He used to come to the venue. So I'm painting a strange picture, but it was a strange <laughs> and interesting place. And you've unfortunately just had to cancel your Canadian tour. Have you got any other plans? Yeah, we yeah cancelled that because I've been a bit unwell. So I'm just trying to, 
deal with that in the next couple of months. And the plan is to go back to Canada um, in October. Yeah, and so I think next year for the Magpies, we're going to be doing, Holly and I might do some solo dates earlier in the year, and then we'll look to do a UK um, tour later in the year. And we'll be running our festival again um, in August. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your festival because I think I think you ran it for the first time this year. Um, what was it like doing it, and uh, did you enjoy it, or did you find it? Because festivals are a huge undertaking. What was it like yeah. to do it? It was actually yeah, it's actually the second time we did it uh, this year. Um, the first time it was it was madness on our behalf because it was just when <laughs> all the other festivals were. Um, a lot of them didn't go ahead because of lot COVID restrictions. Um, and Holly, the, our fiddle player, is a festival director. She just decided she was going to do it. She's going to take a punt, and um, she figured with the way that the layout of, um, of the site was that we could, you know, socially distance it and, and make it work. And it, yeah, and it went really well. And I think the second year was a little bit easier um, because we knew that we could do it but maybe a little bit more stressful because the whole thing got a bit bigger. Um, and this and this year, I'll tell you what, the, the problem was it was so hot. It's not something you expect to be a problem in Yorkshire, but it was bakingly hot. Um, so we were just wandering around the festival site, like sort of spraying people with water, trying to... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want anyone to get sunstroke, you know? Um, but, you yeah, know, I mean, it, it, is a, it is a big undertaking, isn't it, when you when you think about it but holly is i mean she's just amazing and that sort of thing she's um she could do anything she set her mind to so <laughs> we're lucky that we've got there's a couple of other acts in the folk world who have their own festivals fairport convention yeah. have been running theirs for a long time kate rusby's been running hers now for probably 10 years or so so mm. do, you, do you do you kind of see yourselves getting into that kind of folky festival market yeah, I mean, I hope so. If we can get it to, if we can grow it to a size where it's, you know, sustainable, um, but not too overwhelming for us, um, then that'd be amazing. I mean, because it's a fun thing to do to run your own festival. Obviously, you can choose your own lineup and, and, and all the rest of it. And also, I think as a musician, maybe you sometimes realize, because we go to a lot of festivals, um, and we know what, what it's like as a musician to go to a festival, so you can make it, the experience maybe better. For, it, it, do you know what I mean? That, that you might have needs as a musician at a festival that we, we know what they are, because we've, we've done thousands of them. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I hope we, we carry on for years to come, if it all, it's hard to, to know, isn't it? There's so many so many factors so i just had one more question and we've touched on it a little bit already um but folk music seems to has have this enduring nature i mean it's it's been around for forever um and it still seems to have this place in you know the musical landscape today even the traditional ballads as you know there's a lot on undertow do you think the genre will ever not be relevant that's the question isn't it i think the way that we consume the genre is changing. Um, and to my mind, that is 
sad because I grew up in folk clubs, you know, um, that was my entire sort of exposure to music um, until I went to university was all based in folk clubs. And I loved that. And I, I thought, I think it was, it's a great way to um, become immersed in it. And you learn a lot and you meet interesting people. Um, and it's cheap, you know, going to a folk club is, I mean, yeah, everyone, can, almost everyone can afford to go to a folk club. Unfortunately, I think we're probably going to pivot more towards um, maybe festivals, um, which are an amazing experience, but less accessible if you if you have less money. Right. So, um, unless I, I can't imagine how it's going to change. I'd lo I'd love it for the folk club scene to be revived, but I don't know how that might happen. Um, um, yeah, I was going to say, I guess it's still there a little bit in, you know, we've got the Black Swan Folk Club here in York. Oh, and yeah. I guess that, you know, probably yeah. there might be something similar in in everywhere, every, every city. There, um, there is, definitely. Um, I think what worries me is that when you go, like, because my parents um, are involved in the Topic Folk Club in Bradford, which is why I um, used to go to it all the time. It's just that the membership is getting older and there's mm. no there does, there's hardly any younger people coming through and but when you go to a festival you get a, a folk festival you get a real wide range of um of people in my experience that you don't see represented in the club so i just wonder that how much time they've got left in them yeah, mm. yeah. the culture there's a definitely there's set there's certain genres of music where culturally it's definitely older people. Like I go to gig, like just just going to rock gigs and stuff. I go to rock gigs and I look around, and most of the people are like ten years older than me. I'm fifty, and most of the people are ten years older than me, um, and kind of lots of yeah. silver hair and stuff. You know. <laughs> um, so uh, I wanted to ask, what 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 do you what would you guys like to do in in the future? Have you got any? Are there any? Have you got sort of any burning ambitions or anything you really want to do? <laughs> Burning ambitions. We all just want to play everywhere. Um, we obviously we're supposed to be going to Canada. We'll do that next year. We've got some plans to. We, I think we're going to do New Zealand and Australia. Um, I think that's. I mean, that's a brilliant thing about music. It can take you, take you so many different places. So that's what, what we want to do. Um, and yeah, I think we're just going to focus on maybe growing the band. Maybe. Um, trying to take sort of a larger lineup to festivals, things like that. Um, but no, in terms of burning ambitions, just more more of the same. Um, we're just having a great time doing it. So. Can you see yourselves getting a bigger a bigger lineup then with like drum kit and stuff like that? Yeah, potentially. Um, maybe not a full kit, but maybe a bit of percussion. Something. Um, yeah, something to to just make us make it a bit more lively. And make it bounce like, a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw yeah. one I of the band, really One of the folk bands I thought was really good live was Bellowhead. I saw them once or twice. I thought they were a fantastic live act with that huge. They're on tour at the lineup. moment, aren't they? Yeah, it's enormous. God knows how they pay for that lineup. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, but Bella, thank you very much for talking to uh, me and Graham. It's been nice to chat to you, and uh, you. good luck with everything. I mean, you guys seem to be on a trajectory and zooming up. So uh, good luck. Good luck with uh, everything that's coming your way. Oh, cheers very much. Yeah, thank you for, for chatting with me.
You have been listening to Going Underground, presented by Miles Salter and Graham Smith and produced by myself, Graham Smith. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our website, yorkcalling.co.uk. And why not head to your podcast platform of choice to hear more episodes of Going Underground or our sister podcast, The Five Albums You'll Hear in Heaven. Until next time, be well and happy listening.